Okay. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, believe it or not, that's uh, we we meet in the afternoon in Oklahoma City, so I had to uh, remind myself that it is actually morning. So good morning. Good, good to be here in the on the Lord's Day with you guys. And like Jeff said, I just consider you guys family. Even though I don't haven't met most of you, uh, we haven't been here in a while. Like we used to come regularly because of our church plant. We're now busy. <laughs> And, uh, but it sure is good to see you guys. It's good to see this room full, full of people. And so it is, um, it is a privilege, a great honor to be here to preach God's Word to God's people. Uh, what, what a privilege it is to, to, be, to be able to be used by the Lord to, to minister to God's sheep. And so I just want to thank the elders here at 116 for inviting me. And uh, we've already talked that they're going to return the favor, come up, come up our way. <laughs> and they all have been up there before, but... Uh, but yeah, this is just a great privilege uh, to bring you God's Word today. If you'll turn in your Bible to Psalm 119, we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 16 here in just a few moments. And while you're turning there, just by way of introduction, uh, we're going to be talking about transformation today, being transformed by God's Word. But just that whole idea of being being transformed or seeing transformation, witnessing transformation. That's a pretty cool thing when you can witness transformation. And, um, you know, being from Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma, I'm an Oklahoma Sooners fan. I know that's that's probably... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I think of transformation, just on a, on a trivial level like sports, uh, back when I grew up and um, graduated high school in the 90s and you know, you was really good when I was young, and then they were really bad for a while in the 90s, and then Bob Stoops came in. And, and they went from having a losing record in 98 to two years later going undefeated, winning the national title. And it was literally a transformation. Good coaching, good training, and it's amazing. And so but when we think about transformation, what are the, some of the areas in, in our lives that we, that we think about, you know, here in, living on earth, we think about being transformed or witnessing transformation. You know, maybe things like, like our health, and these are good things, okay, to have your health transformed through, you know, through exercise, through diet, you can witness great transformation in your life, and, and again, those things are good. Maybe, uh, maybe your finances can be, you know, you can witness transformation just in the area of being responsible. You know, we've witnessed that, we've experienced that. Um, just different things in life, um, you know, it could, be, it, could be, it could be your children, children when you're in school, you know, you're... Through being responsible, hard work, you can see your grades transformed, you know? And all these things are good. So we should be good stewards of our body, good stewards of what God has given us. But what do all these things have in common? They're all temporal. They're all temporal. Or they're going to they're gonna fade away. See, th these things we're going to lose. You're going to lose your health one day, right? It's been appointed for a man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And so all these things are going to perish. All these things are temporal. Peter tells us, he reminds us in 1 Peter 1, 24, 25, he says, all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord is what endures forever. Amen. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, being transformed by God's word. Paul tells us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And dear church, there will never be any transformation, real living transformation, 
in your life apart from God's Word. You know, there may be temporal transformation, but apart from God's Word, there will be no lasting transformation. So that's what I want to discuss with you today, being transformed by God's Word. Um, Let's look at the text, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. Very familiar passage of Scripture. And it says this, I am, I'm reading now the uh, New American Standard, so just so you know, in case you're wondering. Um, so that's the version I'll be reading out of. Verse 9 in Psalm 119 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought to know you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will, medit- I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. Would you guys pray with me? <clears throat> Father, Lord, we all come before you as, as your people, very needy this morning, God. We need you constantly. Father, I need you right now. Lord, I just pray that you would help me, Father, to clearly communicate your word. And Father, I pray that you would give your people ears to hear your word today, Father. We pray for transformation in our lives, God, and we know that it will not ever happen apart from your word. So, Father, be with me, Lord. Um, to feed your sheep, God. You feed your sheep. Just, you, just use me as a vessel, Lord. And, and God, we love you. We love you. We know because you first loved us, Father. We pray that Christ would be glorified today, that his will would be done. We ask it in his name. Amen. <clears throat> so I have a question. If you, are, if you are one who, you know, who uses an outline, I have an outline for you. It's very simple. Just three little points, really to help you to follow along, but I have a question at the top that I try to ask our church if it, if it applies to the text, um, and so I think it did today with the title being Transformed by God's Word, just really by way of application from the very beginning, how can you be transformed by God's Word? How can I be transformed by God's Word? That's, that's what we want to try to answer, okay, as we go through this text, how we can be transformed by God's Word. And so the first thing we'll see in verses 9 through 11, that we can be purified, purified by it and protected by it. This is the first way we can see that we can be transformed by God's Word is by being purified and protected by it in verses 9 through 11. Look at verse 9. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Now, is this just for the young? No, it is for the young. This is for the young, this is for the old, but this is for all of God's people. This is for all of you. If you're born again today, this is for you. Okay, this is for you. How can a young man keep his way pure? I I don't know that there's any greater question that a Christian could ask. How can I keep my way pure? How can I be a godly man? How can I be a godly woman? This is this is the great question. How can I be Christ like? That's what the question is. Now, if you're not a Christian here, if you're not born again, I don't know any of you. Well, a few of you do. But, but if you're not born again, maybe you know you're not born again. 
Maybe you know you're not right with God. Maybe you think you are and you're deceived. I don't know. But see, if you're not a Christian, this is the wrong question to even ask. You can't be pure by trying to clean yourself up. See, the question you need to ask is, first of all, am I even born again? Am I right with God? Are my sins forgiven? This would be the, the correct question for the non-Christian to ask because, dear friend, if you're not a Christian, the Bible describes you as unclean. From We're unclean outside of Christ from head to toe. So if you're not a Christian, oh, my appeal with you today, because this message would not even apply to you, is to look to Christ, to repent, to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, to bow the knee, confess Him as Lord, trust Him by faith, and then He will begin to cleanse you. Then you can begin to apply your word and, and, and pursue this, this Christ-likeness that we're talking about today. So if you don't know Christ, dear friends, as Brett was just mentioning, that we plead with people out in the public, or how much, how much, what a better place to plead with somebody than in God's house. Oh, don't leave this place today without calling upon the name of the Lord. Amen. He is mighty to save. But this is counsel, beloved. How can a young man keep his way pure? This is a counsel that you're only going to get from the Bible. Okay? The world's not going to be able to tell you how to keep your way pure. You can watch Dr. Phil <laughs> until your face is blue, and he's not going to tell you how to keep your way pure. <laughs> And especially the other lady, <laughs> Oprah. Now you're not going to hear this. You're not going to hear this kind of counsel from the world. This comes from God's word. That's what we want to hear today. Is what God has to say. This this very first statement. How can a young man keep his way pure? It's it's a reminder for all of us, even as God's people, of this fact of this of this reality of original sin, and and the reality of even as Christians, beloved, even as Christians. We, we have this thing called our unredeemed flesh that we're battling until the day the Lord takes us home. That's why the question is here. How can a young man keep his way pure? Because we're in a battle with our indwelling sin. So the question I would have for you is, do you desire this? Is this your desire? Do you desire to be pure before the Lord? Do you desire to walk with Christ? Do you desire to live a holy life? This is a mark of a true Christian. Of a true Christian. Matthew 5.8, Jesus says in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, that word they, it's an emphatic pronoun, meaning they and they alone. Only the pure will see, will see God. The pure in heart. And see, so we become pure in heart when we, when we are made new creatures in Christ. Right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is when we initially, the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us of our sin and we're pure in His eyes through the righteousness of Christ. But in this message, really we're talking about keeping our way pure practically in this life, in our Christian life. And He says this, or He answers the question, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it. By keeping it according to your word. By keeping it. In other words, church, a holy life is never by accident. You don't just stumble into Christ-likeness. <laughs> you don't just stumble into living a holy life. Man, that, that dear brother, that sister, they're such a godly person. It didn't happen by accident. This is a person pursuing Jesus Christ. Amen. By keeping it. 
by keeping it. You see, if you're uh, if you're headed somewhere, maybe to a destination, and and you don't, it's it's a destination you're not familiar how to get there. You had better have good directions, okay? But not only have you you better have good directions, men. You know, like when we're traveling, we don't we don't want any help. <laughs> but you had better have good directions, and then you better heed those directions in order to get to the destination you want to get to. You can have the greatest directions, but if you don't heed them, you're not going to get there. And then if you have bad directions, it's going to lead you down the, what we're talking about today, it's going to lead you down the broad road. Beloved, we need the Word of God. That is our direction. That is our map. Okay? We need it. Most of us have multiple copies of it, but do you heed it? Do you read it? Do you follow the directions? We need God's Word. Church, we need we need God's word. How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? All of it. We need all of God's word. We need the warnings in God's word as God's people, right? To keep us purified, to keep us on that straight and narrow. God's word. We need those warning passages because what is the fear of the Lord? The beginning of wisdom. But we also need those promises in God's word. Oh, church, if you're a Christian today, if you're God's sheep, do you realize how loved you are? See, those two things, the fear of the Lord and the love of God, purifies us. Man, you know, when you, when you know God loves you, oh, it just creates a heart of worship. So we need God's Word. Look at verse 10. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. With all my heart. With all my heart. This is just a, a sincerity, a sincere desire to know God. Do you have a sincere desire to know God and know His will for your life? See, this is, this is not the man who's playing the hypocrite. This is not the man or woman who's seeking to impress. Right? You bring your Bible to church. You got your Bible lingo. But you're not seeking Christ. No, this is, oh Lord, with all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. You hear the humility in that passage? Do not let me wander from your commandments. This is a truly regenerate heart with genuine humility. You know, somebody who has been born again and is walking with Christ, you know your weakness. You know your weakness. This is the cry of the psalmist. Don't let me wander from your word. What, is, what, is the, what are the, the hymns that we probably, most of us probably know? Um, because this is a heart that understands his own, his or her own, right? We're prone to wonder. <laughs> We're prone to wonder, Lord, I need thee every hour. Right. This is that kind of heart. Lord, don't let me wander from your commandments. Let me ask you that. Is that, a, is that a desire of yours? Not to wander from God's commandments. You see, I think, I think some professing Christians, that thought never comes into their mind because they're not even interested in God's commandments. <laughs> But is that truly the desire of your heart? To stay near to Christ? How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Verse 11, your word, have I, your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. That I might not sin against you. If you grew up in the church as a kid, which I did not, maybe this is one of your verses you memorize, you know. Store up God's Word in your heart that I might not sin against you. What a beautiful passage that is. Your Word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
That word treasured, it just means hidden. Your word have I stored up in my heart. Why? So I can be smarter than everybody? <laughs> no, that I might not sin against you. This is the cry of the Christian's heart. This, this whole pilgrimage we're on, this battle with sin. Beloved, He's given us in His Word instructions how to live a godly life, how to have victory over sin. I, I, your Word have I treasured in my heart that I, might not, that I might not sin against you. Is this a desire of yours today? We, we hide it in our heart by memorizing it? Ouch. <laughs> Some of us memorize Scripture more than others. Some of us don't. But none of us probably do it as much as we should. So I would just encourage you in the memorization of Scripture, not only memorizing in it, meditating on it, as we'll talk about, delighting in it. These are all ways that we, that we hide God's Word in our heart. And He says, He said, Your Word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. What's the... You know, maybe when you think about your life before you knew Jesus Christ, or you think about those in the world... What, What's the world's treasure by and large? Is, is it all not? It's material possessions. It's all things that's going to perish. Yeah. Okay? And, and so we don't want to make the, those type of things our treasure. We want to treasure God's Word. The Proverbs tell us in, in Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5, He says, Do not weary yourself to gain wealth, for wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. What a waste. Dear Saint, God will provide for you. He will provide for you. But we're not, to, we're not to chase after these things. We're not to build our lives and try to build our own kingdoms. And, because it's all going to perish. It'll fly away. So don't waste your life chasing the, the trinkets of this world. But devote your life to knowing God's Word, to hiding God's Word in your heart, to treasuring it. He will protect you. That's what He says, Your Word have I treasured in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Church, when you have stored up God's Word, in other words, when you have stored it up in your Word, or His Word in your heart, it will be there when you need it. That's the point. When you store God's Word... In your heart, it will be there when needed. During the time of testing. During the time of temptation. During the trial. I got, I got to uh, sit in. Uh, because I'm the only pastor right now at our church. And, uh, and so I got to, <laughs> joking around with the elders, I got to sit in their elders meeting. Because, you know, I sit in my meeting every Sunday morning. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> but, I got to hear, but I got to hear the wisdom of, of your pastors and, and just, uh, and, and just in, in counseling some sheep just with, with God's Word that they had treasured in their heart. And so it'll be there when you need it. I mean, what's the greatest illustration of this in Scripture, right? Our Lord in the wilderness. Right when the devil came with this temptation, what did he say? It is written. It is written. See, you don't need a deliverance ministry. You need the Word of God treasured in your heart. And it will be there when you need it. Church, the Word, when it is read, when you read it, when, you, when it is taken in, when it is stored up, it will protect you. And it will purify you. 
God's Word is powerful, right? Amen? Amen. Charles Spurgeon said, His heart... His heart would be kept by the Word because He kept the Word in His heart. That's the point. He's just got a way of saying it. <laughs> There's no shortcuts to victory in the Christian life, church. That's what all this is telling us. There's no shortcuts to victory. Consistent victory in the Christian life. Okay? Consistent, lasting godliness is not going to happen from the next conference you attend. I don't care who's speaking. No retreat you go to. You can listen to Paul Washer, with whom I love, but that alone is not going to transform your life. Now, God may use him and others. No, it's by being in the Word of God yourself, by storing up God's Word in your heart, by treasuring it, by memorizing it. Have, a, have some type of Bible reading plan, whatever that is. The Scriptures doesn't tell us what that is, but what works for you. Be in the Word of God. God will purify you. God will protect you. So how can we be transformed by God's Word? First, by being uh, purified, by being protected by it. Secondly, verses 12 and 13, be taught it. Be taught it, the Word of God, and proclaim it. Be taught it and proclaim it. Look at verse 12 and 13. He says, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Verse 12. This is just—it's just an outbreak, outbreak of praise. Thank you for your word. How often do we thank God for His word? Hopefully, we thank God for everything in our life, right? Thank God for our food. We thank God for our, our children. We thank God for our, our jobs. We thank God for our health. All of these things, yes and amen. But how often do we thank God for His word? Do we realize what a treasure we have in His word as Christians? You know, I, I spend so much time in, in the last 15 years of my life in, in, the, in the circles of evangelism and, and Isaiah 55, 11 and verses like that, that when we proclaim His Word, it will not return void, it will not return empty. And we think of that in, in, in evangelism. Church, that's true in our life. <laughs> in the Christian's life, his, his Word will not return void. He will sanctify you by His Word. He says, teach me your statutes. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. You know, I connect that to verse 10, that, that statement he made. With all my heart have I sought you. See, this is personal. This is the, the psalmist seeking the Lord. And so he says, teach me, in verse 12, teach me your statutes. It's not, in other words, Lord, you teach me, and it's not just for head knowledge. It's not just for head knowledge. That's what attracted me to this church when Jeff planted it. That it was a reformed church, but it wasn't just to swell up our brains and, and win all the arguments. But there's a point to it. That a world is dying and going to hell, and we have the answer, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? Romans 1.16. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation Amen. for all who believe. For the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the Oklahoma, to the Texan. <laughs> to the chief, to the Greek, right? That's what this church and this fellowship, although we, we fall short, but that's what we seek. To, to everything we do to be Christ-centered, gospel-centered. And we don't want that to just be a slogan. So he says, teach me your statutes. Teach, teach, me, 
Te yes, teach me its meaning. We need to know what it means, especially if you're in a, you're in a teaching role. But every Christian, we want to we come to the Word of God and Lord, yes, teach me what it means. But not just so I can know more than the other person, but so I can know you. Do you approach God's Word with the with the desire, Lord? I want to know you more. I want to know you. Church, if, you, if, if we can know who God is, and we can know Him, and know who man is, you can navigate through any conversation. <laughs> if you know who God is, if you know who your God is, and you know what God's Word says about Him, and you know what God's Word says about man going back to the garden, you can witness to any person at any time. But we want to know Him. We want to know Him more intimately. I love the language of Ephesians 4, 20 and 21. Paul writing to these Gentile believers, mostly Gentile believers at Ephesus, and, he, and he's, he's contrasting them to the unbelieving Gentile world that they came out of. And he says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. I love that language because he, he didn't even say you did not learn about Christ, but you did not learn Christ in this way if indeed you have heard him and been taught in him. Do you hear the intimate language in that? Yeah. See, as Christians, we don't just learn about Christ. We learn Christ. Amen. Right? Through the abiding, his spirit dwelling in us, Amen. his word is alive. We learn Christ. We have heard him. We are taught in him. This personal, intimate language, beloved. That's what this is. Yes. Teach me your statutes. This is the Lord teaching us directly. Through His Word, by His Spirit. 1 John 2, 20 and, and 27 says this, that you have an anointing. We don't need to let the charismatic steal that word. Amen. That's the Apostle John's word. Not Benny Hinn. He says, you have an anointing. If you know Christ, you have an anointing. Here today, from the Holy One. And the anointing which you receive from Him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. Well, let's balance that out. We interpret Scripture with Scripture, right? We know that God has appointed pastors and teachers, so we do need teachers. But there's an element to this where if you're a Christian, if you're a, if you're a Christian in a, in a Chinese prison right now, you have the anointing. This is, this is a picture of a man or a woman who knows God. Yes, God has given pastors and teachers, obviously. But there is in a sense where you can be taught directly from God in His Word because you have His Spirit. A man who knows God, who hears from God. Do you hear from God? Do you hear from God in His Word? Not through an audible voice, but in His Word. That time alone with God, just you and God. Are you, are you taught by God? It's that time of being alone with God. That's the richest time of my day. Amen. And everybody's got their own schedules. But can I encourage you, if you don't already, to make that time. Make that time where it's you and the Lord. No distractions. Don't turn the screens on. Get in the Word. Amen. Prayerfully. Lord, I want to know you today. We were talking about that last night. You know, maybe maybe early. Mine's early in the morning, like really early, <laughs> just because of my schedule. And so sometimes I like having a good devotional 
you know, to kind of warm me up, wake me up, some kind of Puritan devotion or whatever it is. But it just whatever works for you. And then, and then as you're waking up, get in the Word of God and just spend time with the Lord. Regardless of how you feel, the feelings will come. And the feelings aren't there every day, but be consistent. And God will speak to you through His Word. But He says in verse 13, so He says, teach me your statutes. Verse 13, He says, with my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. With my lips I have told. It's cause and effect. Teach me your statutes in verse, in verse 12. And then with my lips I have told all, of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have to speak, is what he's saying. That sounds familiar. That sounds like the apostles. In Acts chapter 4, verse 20, being arrested by the authorities, we cannot stop speaking. About what? About what we have seen and heard. We can't stop. Jail's not going to stop me. I'll talk in there. Floggings are not going to stop me. We rejoice that we're counted worthy to suffer for Christ. Why don't many speak in our day? I think it's because many haven't seen and heard anything. People speak a lot about things that they've that they've seen and heard, right? There's a lot of people that speak a lot about professing Christians. They speak a lot about Fox News. They speak a lot about the the recent ball game. I'm I, and I'm guilty of all this, okay? We speak about what we've seen and heard. Why don't we speak about Christ? What we've seen and heard. Him saving our soul, him giving us new life, what he tells us in his word. I love I love Matthew 10:27. It has really become dear to me as of late. What I tell you in the darkness, Jesus says, speak in the light. Isn't that beautiful? What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear witnessed in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. There's the Christian witness right there. Okay? There's the open air preacher, but not just that. There's the Christian going out to this world and saying, I've got to tell you about God. I've got to tell you about Christ. I've got to tell you about what He's done. I've got to tell you about what He told me this morning in my quiet time. That there is a real living hell and it's hot and it's eternal. But God has given us a Savior. He sent His Son to shed His blood on the cross so that you can be saved. Can I tell you about it? i got to tell somebody. I had a guy at the bus station where we preach normally, regularly, uh, a couple weeks ago. And the guy was just, it was really ironic because he came up and said, why are you out here? He, you know they, how they call it shouting because you're just projecting your voice so people can hear. And then he just begins to shout at me for 15 minutes to the point where he's foaming at his mouth. And I just shared this. This is why I'm here to tell you what my Lord has told me in secret. That He can save your soul. Oh, what a beautiful, what a beautiful scripture that is in Matthew 10, 27. Yeah, you spend time with the Lord, church. Okay? You don't need an evangelistic program or some little method. Just go tell people what the Lord is telling you in secret. Yeah. Be in His Word and he will, He'll give you more than you could ever share. Yeah. Praise God. He says... With my lips I have told all of the ordinances 
of your mouth. Not just some of them. Right? We don't just pick and choose. Like, well, we don't want to talk about this. I know the Lord told me this. In my prayer, oh, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to be mentioning things like hell. Oh, I don't want to be calling homosexuality sin. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, tell somebody in my church that's seeking counsel, should I go to a gay wedding? No! It's sin. All, all of the ordinances. Okay? The whole counsel of God's Word is what we need to communicate to people. In other words, don't pick and choose. So church, not only reading it, reading God's Word, learning it, storing it up, but also proclaiming it. Okay? This is not just for the, the men preaching. This is for the women with your, at home, the mothers with your children, with your neighbor. Every Christian is to be a witness for Christ. This is for all of us. And so it's not only reading it, learning it, storing up, but preaching it has a purifying effect. Amen. amen. I was hoping I would get an amen because I have noticed that in my life. Man, it purifies me. Charles Spurgeon says this, it will be an effective method of cleansing a young man's way if he addicts himself continually to preach in the gospel. He cannot go far wrong in judgment whose soul is occupied in setting forth the judgments of the Lord. By teaching, we learn. I'm going to pause right there. So, if you're a Christian here, we're all called to teach. We're all called. Find somebody who doesn't know as much as you and teach them God's Word. That, that's the pattern. Okay? By teaching, we learn. By training the tongue to holy speech, we master the whole body. By familiarity with the divine procedure, we are made to delight in righteousness. And thus, in a threefold manner, our way is cleansed by our proclaiming the way of the Lord. Yes and amen. amen. What a sanctifying effect preaching the gospel has on a person. See, when you're communicating the truths of the gospel, okay, when you're communicating the holiness of God, when you're communicating the reality of sin, the reality of judgment and hell, and the reality of Christ, and God sending Christ, and Christ on the cross, and God's wrath being poured out upon Christ, and Him in agony and blood. You know who's, you know who's hearing it when you're proclaiming it? You are. Amen. Yeah. When you're studying how to... And you're and you're trying to perfect in your but but through study, how can I be a better witness for Christ? And you're learning those truths. You're being sanctified. I mean, how can we turn to the filth of this world when our mind is is occupied with our Savior on the cross being crushed under the wrath? I don't have time for that filth. That's what Spurgeon is talking about. So third and last, how can you be transformed by God's Word? By delighting in it, or, or delight in it, and don't forget it. That we see in verses 14 through 16. He says, I have rejoiced, in verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. If you have an ESV, I think it says delight. So I use the word delight, rejoice. 
It just means to skip about and jump for joy. Isn't that great? Think about the things we <laughs> that we jump for joy. Do we jump for joy at God's Word? He said, I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I mean, what? why should we jump for joy? I mean, think about it if you're a Christian, because it's taking root in our heart and it's cleansing our life. What's better than that? Million dollars is not, what does Jesus say? You gain the whole world and lose your, whole, and lose your soul. What does it profit you? To gain all the riches in the world and go to hell. So to be purified by God's word, to see it, having taken that root in your heart and seeing it cleanse your life, that is the abundant life, dear friends. Amen. As much as in all riches, he says, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. How about you today? How about me? What do you rejoice more in, your paycheck or your Bible? By it, think about this, by the Word of God. First of all, we're saved by the means of the Word of God. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.23, For you have been born again through the living and enduring Word of God. That's how we, right? We first heard, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of Christ. So, so, so through the means of the Word of God, we're saved, we're brought into the kingdom. Through the word of God, Jesus tells us, John 17, 17, Sanctify them, Father, in the truth. Your word is truth. That's why we rejoice in God's word. We couldn't be saved. We couldn't be sanctified. Praise God for his word. You know, there's churches you walk in, they don't even have Bibles. They don't open a Bible. They don't read a Bible. If they do, they twist it. Oh, we have the Word of God. What the most precious gift we have. And obviously the Word made flesh. Christ Jesus. I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. You know, it's that, that phrase right there, the way of your testimonies. It even goes deeper. It's not just He's rejoicing in the Word, but the way of your testimonies. That means the practice of His Word is what, is what the psalmist is saying. I... I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. In other words, he is rejoicing not just in hearing the word, not just in reading the word, but in obeying it and practicing it and applying it to our life. You know, there's plenty of men and women, especially in the reform circles, right? They like hearing the word. Oh, yeah, they like hearing the word. They like reading the word. They like being puffed up in knowledge, puffed up in pride. I'm sick of them. Yeah. Absolutely sick of them. I know your pastors are too. But you see the reform group, social media, right? They're, they're known maybe by, as the Facebook police. And they just go around correcting everybody for every little thing. Yeah. No, he says, I rejoice in the way of your testimonies, not just hearing it, not just reading it, but in obeying it. Why should we rejoice in the way of, our, of His testimonies? Why should we rejoice in these things? So that we can be a godly man and a godly woman through being transformed by God's Word. Yes. It's not about a bunch of head knowledge. Mm -mm. No, it's, not. it's about being godly. Is this why we rejoice in God's Word? Oh, Lord. 
Transform me by your word. Sanctify me by your word. Look at verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. Meditate. That just means to ponder. What are you pondering on today? That sounds like an Oklahoma word. What are you pondering on? What are you thinking of? I get made fun of a lot. (laughs) We have people in our church from out of state up north and they make fun of the way I talk. Ponder. You know, it's easy to meditate, guys, right? It's easy to meditate on that which you delight in. We all meditate on something. I mean, if you meditate on fishing, it's because you delight in fishing. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you meditate on the ball game, and you know all the statistics of all the players, it's, you know, you delight in it. In other words, whatever you delight in, it's real easy to meditate on. It's not that we don't have the ability. And meditation's a good thing. It's just, what are we meditating on? Nathan Renew, the, the Puritan, says this. Meditation is of that happy influence. It makes the mind wise, the affections warm, the soul fat and flourishing, and the conversation greatly fruitful. See, it affects the whole man. When you you meditate on God's Word, it's going to transform you. It's going to begin with your mind, down to your affections, and just like he was saying earlier, it's going to result in the conversation. i got to tell somebody what the Lord is showing me. Right? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you tasted? Have you seen? Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. So you meditate on something, just ask yourself what that something is. Verse 15, he goes on, and he said, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. Regard your ways. In other words, I just look to your I look to your word, I look to your testimonies to guide me. I have such a high regard and respect for your word, God. You must guide me. You must teach me how to be a good husband. Teach me how to be a good employee, how to be a good witness, how to be a, an obedient child. Teach me how to be a godly person, Lord. I'm just an ignorant sheep and I need you. I need your transformation, I need your wisdom. Right? Wisdom of the Lord, or the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Cultivate a fear of God. I look to them to guide me. Joshua 1.8 really repeats this. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. You know what this is a picture of? This is the picture of the person at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, who has built his life on the correct foundation of God's Word. He has built his life on the rock. Not just hearing the Word, but applying the Word to his life. And it will, and it will help you to stand during not only the trials of this life, but even more importantly, the trial of that day when we all stand before Christ. That's when the hypocrites are going to be revealed. It's only if you've truly built your life on Christ and His Word. That's the, that's the foundation that will stand when the, when the floods of God's judgment comes. And in closing, guys, look at verse 16. Back to our, back to our third point. Delight, delight in it and don't forget it. He said, I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your Word. See, in verse 14, he says, I have delighted, or I have rejoiced. In verse 
16, he says, I shall. I shall delight. You know, in other words, he still does. He, he intends to continue on. He's not a flash in the pan. Have you guys met people like that? I've worked with guys like that. That I've seen. They're, they're just Man, it's just almost to the point of being obnoxious and rude with God's Word. Just all about God's Word. Maybe 20 years ago. They're nowhere to be found now. I mean, they've, they've turned away from the Lord years ago. This is not that person that's like, Lord, no, I, I have delighted, but I shall delight. Keep me. Jesus said it's those who endure to the end who will be saved. Yeah. Turn over to Psalm 1 just real quickly before we close. Psalm 1, just the first three verses. Really a picture of this man or woman here. Obviously, Christ would fulfill this in perfection. But Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, there, we, there it is, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Do you want to live a fruitful, victorious Christian life? Yes. Oh, then build your life around God's Word. Meditate on His Word. Delight in His Word. And He promises that you will prosper. The right kind of prospering. In that last last line, I shall not forget your word. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget in your word. This is what we spoke to a while ago. It's easy to meditate on that which you delight in. And then he's saying here, we don't forget that which we delight in. You won't forget something that you delight in. So how many of you guys were here about a year ago when Pastor Chuck was here from Oregon? Some of you? Pastor Chuck, our pastor up in, in, uh, in Oregon, one of the 116... Pastors, he, he came down, visited you guys for a few days, and then he came up to Oklahoma, visited us. We took him out to our favorite barbecue place. He loves barbecue. So we took him out to a place in southern Oklahoma called Smokin' Joe's. So we treated Chuck to that place. I've never heard Chuck for an hour be so quiet. <laughs> All I heard coming out of him was just grunts and... You know why? Because he was delighting in that barbecue. And he has not forgot it. He's told us multiple times he'd love to come see us. And we're going, going back to smoking Joe's. <laughs> we don't forget that which we delight in. Amen? Do you delight in God's Word? So church, commit. Let us all, okay? You see, anytime we prepare a sermon, who are we preaching to first? <laughs> us. So don't think that I'm, you know, man prepares a sermon. I'm preaching to myself, first of all. So don't think I've got, like, all this down. Yeah. But let us, let us commit to getting in the Word, right? And getting the Word into us. Amen. Commit to getting in the Word, getting the Word in you. It will purify you. It will protect you. Let the Lord teach you. Seek the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate His... Word. Every time you go to God's Word, just go dependent upon Him.
And then proclaim it to others. Delight in it, and you will not forget it. And you will live a fruitful Christian life. Church, and, and you are, you're, you're slowly, okay? You're slowly going to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, which is His greatest purpose for our life. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> oh Lord, we, we just collectively thank You for Your Word. Father, we thank You for the local church. We thank You for other brothers and sisters in Christ who are on this pilgrimage with us. Father, I just thank You for this, this local church. And Lord, I just pray that You would pour out Your Spirit upon, upon the pastors here, Lord, and upon the congregation, Lord, that You would use this church mightily. Father, that you would, they would grow in, in maturity and holiness, that they would grow in unity around Christ, that they would grow in their love for one another, God. Lord, we're just so grateful for this church. We're grateful to be a part of it. We're grateful to, to be family. And Lord, we just we thank You for Christ most of all, Lord. We thank You for Christ, the gift of Your Son. We thank You for the gift of the, of the, of the written Word. And we thank You for the gift of the Word made flesh. So Father, just take this. Lord, take this day in this place today and, and be glorified, God. Receive our worship, Father. We love You and we praise You in Christ's name. Amen.